Happy June, everybody. We have made it this far. We did it. We've done it together. And we did it regardless of what people thought, whether we could do it or not. <sighs> Here we are. Welcome to Main Education Matters. I am your stalwart and intrepid host, Matt Druett Card. Here uh, in the process of wrapping up the session. And we're, we might do some other things as we're going along here because we are, um, well, we like doing this kind of stuff. And it's fun. And hopefully we'll get to be able to maybe talk to some folks soon about the session, about up thing, things that are coming up for their, um, you know, what, whatever they're, they're doing and how we can go into the 2023-2024 school year you know, running. Now we can get into it and know what's coming and prepare for what is happening. Because there's a lot happening over the next over the next couple months. There's a lot happening. There always is. There always is an education. And it's why I've never really liked the metaphor of, you know, we're, we're building the plane while flying it. With that metaphor comes a fear. There's a fear of crashing. Because, well, if you're rebuilding the plane while you're flying it, you're going to be unstable and you're going to lose an engine, you're going to lose a wing and a tail and a fuselage and it's all going to go crumbling out and you're not going to be able to get your uh, party mix in a little little, little baggie and you're not going to be able to get uh, a, a, a watered down bit of flat coke that's been sitting in the drawer for 45 minutes. You're not going to be able to have that person lean their seat back when you know your knees are already up by your chin. You know, you're going to, this is not going to happen. That, that, all those things are going to be gone because we're rebuilding the plane while flying it. Well, here's the thing about education. We are in June. That's where we are as I'm recording this. That's where that when this uh, podcast episode will be released. And there's one thing in this entire universe, one thing that is unstoppable. It might look different in different places. It might feel different in different places to different people. And depending on your size, depending on your location, it is going to be different but it is unstoppable and it is universal. And that's time. Time never ends. It's the constant. With it comes change. That idea of the only constant in life being change is because time is inevitable and unstoppable. We're in June. It's June 2023. I can't believe we're here. May went by like that for me, we're here. And you know what's going to happen soon before we know it? It's going to be the end of August. And what happens at the end of August in Maine? Students come back to school. Teachers come back into the building. We start ramping up for yet another opening day. And off we go again. So this idea of the plane... Rebuilding the plane while flying, it comes with a fear of crashing. We're not going to crash. That's the faults. That's the that's the error in that metaphor. It's it's providing a fear for something that will never happen. We won't crash. Could we slow down? Yep. Could we go off course? 
Absolutely. Could we be in a basement where there's, you know, pipes ahead of up, up, above us? Absolutely, you could be there too. And you hear like water and of my laundry happening. Yeah, you could hear that. You are, could, could we go in the wrong direction? I think I said that one. Yep, slow down, speed up. Yeah. But we never crash, which also brings up another point. We never land. Because that's the thing with education. We never stop. There's been this whole concept for years of lifelong learning and building up our kids and ourselves and our environments and our systems to nurture and support lifelong learning, what it means to be a lifelong learner to the point where people wanted to stop hearing about the words lifelong learner. So now you hear about college and career readiness. You hear those words. So this plane that's being rebuilt in the sky that will never crash also never lands because we keep going. It never stops. It's also incredibly hard to rebuild the plane while flying it because education is one of those, if not the only system in the United States where every person who's grown up and lived here during the formative years of their life Every person has had a, been a part of it in some way, by law. Public school, private school, 60-40 schools, homeschooling, parochial schools, whatever. Everyone's been a part of it in some way. Name another system that that happens. The next closest one is taxation. And yeah, we participate in that, but... We're not deeply, no, people, for the most part, people aren't deeply invested in it. Yeah, technically, I know invested in taxes. Ha, ha, ha. That's very funny. Good pun. Uh, I'm patting myself on the back literally right now because that was actually really good and it was completely intentional. But the deal that what, 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 I'm, what I'm, we pay taxes when you buy stuff, when you buy a house and you pay tax every year and property taxes and sales taxes and excise taxes and all these other taxes and things, right? But that's just a quick little thing. You just it's done. You earn money. You pay taxes on it. We're not really doing anything. I mean, and I know we are with taxes. I get that, but it's not like we're paying taxes for seven and a half hours a day for 185 or so days every year for 13 years. So this plane that we're rebuilding which never lands and never crashes. Everyone has a say. Everyone has an opinion because everyone's been through it. So it's incredibly hard to rebuild because as you might, some of you might be, might be know something a little bit about me that I like to kind of be a change agent at times. I like to think of myself as an innovator and a person who likes to push boundaries in education and always thinking ahead and where we want to go in the future. Not everyone likes that because change is hard. It's very difficult and people like patterns and they like routines and the things that they knew they grew up with, those must have been good because they were good enough for me. 
ignoring the fact that there's been a lot of evidence in science that studied those things while we were growing up, and maybe it wasn't the best thing. You know, maybe if you're a Gen Xer, maybe being feral as a, as a kiddo, you know, Saturday mornings, you're out the door at 9 o'clock, you might come back at 9 o'clock. You're just, just literally scrounging for food in the woods, if you had woods. You know, it's, everyone's been a part of it. Everyone's done it. Everyone's been involved in it heavily. So we believe what we believe. We know what we know, right? There's that great quote that I'm going to screw up from Men in Black. The first one, you know, Will Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones. And it's something like, you know, a thousand years ago, we knew the world was flat. We knew the, no, sorry, like a, what is it? like a thousand years ago, we thought the, the, uh, the sun revolved around the earth. 500 years ago, we thought the earth was flat. Imagine what we'll know tomorrow, right? It's a better quote than that. You can go look it up. You can find it on YouTube or whatever. But I always like that one, that idea. We know this stuff, but knowledge is also changing and change is constant because we learn. People like traditions. People like what they are, what they do, and they get comfortable in those things. You know, there are districts where they're like, well, it's 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 tradition that we, when we're doing graduation, for example, that those students who identify as male and those students who identify as female, we they wear separate colors. That's tradition. We're comfortable with that until. You start understanding the nuances of gender. And that it's not binary. That it is complex. And should be respected as such. Because we've learned that. We've learned that over time. An experience. It's a matter of whether or not we want to accept that. So we have these traditions, and another quote, another great movie for you that I love, Coming to America, by uh, with Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, James Earl Jones, and, you know, Soul Glow. And for those of you who know that movie, you're now singing that song. I love you. You're the greatest. So in that movie, um, the main character played by Eddie Murphy was betrothed to be wed to someone by tradition, you know, not get to chose, choose who they, who they married. And Arsenio Hall in that, his character in that movie says, it is, it is, it's the way it's always been done in Zamunda. It's tradition. And Eddie Murphy's character comes back, Prince Akeem comes back and says, it is also tradition that times mustn't always do change. It is also tradition that times mustn't always do change. That quote stuck with me since whenever that movie came out. Or I first saw it, whenever I saw it, wherever I saw it. Like I said, Gen X, you see, I, I was watching, that was like probably like, what, 10, 12, watching that movie, which I probably shouldn't have been doing, but hey, feral.
So the thing is, this plane that's flying, right? It's not going to crash. It's not going to land. And it's incredibly hard to change because the people who are who have built it, who have lived it their whole life in this plane are like, no, the plane works fine. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? And other people are like, no, no, we've studied better ways of making it and we can redo it. We have the resources, we have the parts, we have the tools, we have the will, the ingenuity, the know-how. We have everything we need. Except for one thing of which there's never enough of. And there's never enough of the one thing that is unstoppable, inevitable, and universal. Time. But we never have enough of it. To which I would then argue, no, it's not about time, it's about priority at that point. Because people find ways to do the things that they love to do, that they want to do, that they believe in. They find time for it. They do. You know, I'm finding time to do this, speaking into a microphone in my basement. Why? Because I love doing this. This is fun for me. Getting to look at all the bills and follow this stuff and then just the ability to just kind of wax ecstatic for 15 minutes about not and who, who's going to listen to this the faithful 17 people who are going to listen to this one guy in his drive from the J up to Rumford is going to be listening to this and a couple of people going from I don't know maybe Saco area Biddeford area up to Augusta and back or driving all over the state going to different places I don't know 17 people listen to this But last time I checked, and I check kind of regularly, we've done a few of these. <laughs> we have done a few of these. And I hope we can do a few more as we are closing in on 200 episodes. That's a lot of time. Or maybe not. So let's talk about what's been, what's been happening in the Education Cultural Affairs Committee. Let's talk about a few things. And, you know, we're, we're, we're this, this session's wrapping up. I'm, I'm going to, as, as the... Legislature comes to a close soon. I'll go through and list like the bills that have been passed and the bills that have not been passed. Or I won't really go into many of those because, well, really, they're dead. Who cares? But we're also in a position in a place where there are, um, there are bills that were slated to be heard that the, the committee is not going to have time for. So they are going to be carried over. A couple of those bills, for example, are LD 254, an act to update the sex and education con and consent curriculum that's being carried over to next session. Um, kind of a blanket one. They, they always put this one bill in at the beginning with a title. It's a concept draft. 
And they just kind of put it there as like a catch-all in case something happens in between now and the next session that they need to build a bill. That, oh, we because well, they can't introduce new legislation um, into in the next session in the 131st uh, special session. They're not all really allowed to do a whole bunch of new bills. There are exceptions to it if there are special circumstances, but generally speaking, it's just a carryover. So the second session is usually a lot shorter. I say usually because it's not always the case. It's like if you're having a special session during, let's say, COVID times and things are just crazy and nuts and wacky and you had to put off a bunch of your session before because things went shut down. So anyway, uh, an act, uh, LD 808, an act to amend laws affecting tuition at state approved schools carried over. Um, an act to provide funds to the main Indian Education School District, which is LD 1421, also carried over. And also LD 1642, an act to strengthen the teaching, the teaching, strengthen the teaching of strengthen the teaching of Wabanaki studies in main schools. All of those have been carried over. Um, oh, as well as the LD 19, an act to authorize the National Institute of Funeral Service to grant associate degrees. So those are some bills that have been carried over, uh, and. Uh, will be heard in the next special session. So, what about some of these other ones? What about them? Well, let's talk about some. Because on uh, May the 24th, there was a work session where they heard another... You know, they, they're doing these things. These, these, they have just like massive votes, right? And I... I, I Going to the 24th, there were, do my quick calculation here, like 12, 12 or so bills that they voted on that day. There was one that was ought not to pass, an act regarding university main system hiring practices. One that was ought to pass as amended, an act to allow student representatives within the governance of the university of main system. And the rest were divided reports. Now, why were they divided reports? Well, this, a lot of them, a lot of these this day were on two, I would say two, at some of the most important things on two, two different areas. One, do you remember those funds, those like hope and empowerment and inclusion scholarship programs and educational opportunity account programs and that kind of stuff, which was all about giving private schools, public schools money, right? That was that they all had to do this thing, all of that. Uh, they were all divided reports. All of them ought not to pass was the majority report. So we know how that's going to go. I'm there was one of them that was straight up ought not to pass, but the other two were either ought to pass or, or ought not to pass. There's one that was ought not to pass straight up. There were others that were just split. I don't think I need to explain the breakdown of how these went in terms of partisanship and political party because we know. We know how it was split. It was majority-minority. All the majority voted out not to pass. Minority ought to pass. We know this. This happened almost with, with a lot of these because the other big uh, theme for that particular day was about the guns and weapons in schools. Remember, we have a 
LD-52, an act to allow certain employees to carry firearms in school property. LD-518, an act to allow armed security in schools. LD-1326, an act to increase school security through design and protocol. LD-1557, an act to increase and enhance school safety by allowing individuals with concealed carry permits to possess handguns on school property. Ought not to pass. Ought not to pass. Ought not to pass. Ought not to pass. There was one, which was the act to increase school security through design and protocol. That was an 11 to 1 split. One person voted ought to pass on that one. But the rest, right down party lines. Not surprising, but disappointing. And all of the bills, I think, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I'm just going to say them again because it's worth saying because I spent a lot of time talking about some of those curriculum transparency bills, you know, like the Act to Enact, uh, the Curriculum Transparency Act. I will never get tired of doing that. Uh, I'm actually sad that that particular Act to Enact... Act to enact the Curriculum Transparency Act is not going to be around anymore, so I'm hoping that they bring that kind of thing back because that has brought me endless amounts of joy this particular session. But all of those, act, that one requiring public schools to allow parents and guardians to opt their children out with respect to portions of the curriculum, providing transparency in public cur- curricula, an act regarding the rights of parents to withdraw their children from public school classes, etc. All of those ought not to pass. Divide All of them, all of them divide reports. But the majority port is ought not to pass. And that's what's going to happen. They're going to they're be ought not to pass. And they're going to be dead. They're going to be dead. The one like, uh, and I will say, well, what I did find interesting is that LD618, an act to eliminate critical race theory, social and emotional learning, and diversity, equity, inclusion from school curricula, ought not to pass. Unanimous vote from the committee. I mean, I, I don't know what could have done it. It could have been the fact that the bill was so poorly written that even the bill's sponsor mis, mis, misspoke the, what, what, was, what was being, what SEL meant. He said SEI or something like that. Even the bill's sponsors were like, yeah, uh, so this is like all encompassing for everything. This is so broad and lacking such definition that this is going to cause chaos. And even, and both sides of the party said, oh, we can't go this far. But wait, it'll come back up again. I'm sure it will. So let's talk about some other other bills that haven't, I, I have t- I've talked a lot about the Education Cultural Affairs Committee, but there have been some other bills that um, were up and, and going on and around. There was one that was called uh, LD 1840, an act to reform the state's administrative and rulemaking procedures, which was... Um, Requires court and hearing officers to review an agency's interpretation of a state rule, et cetera. Provides administrative rules expire on the 30th, 5th, 
change the definition of routine, technical, and major substantive rules. It also eliminates provision allowing an agency to finally adopt major substantive rules that the legislature failed to act on. Remember that one about school counselors? That, that was a major substantive rule, and it was like the, the agency could just act on it, right? You can vote on it, fine, but more or less, we could just kind of go ahead and do it anyway, which I, I may be misunderstanding that full thing, but it is very confusing. But that's kind of what I think it says. Because here, this one uh, eliminates the provision, allowing an agency to finally adopt major substantive rules that the legislature, legislature failed to act on. So if the legislature did not act on these rules, just go ahead and adopt them. would eliminate that. So what happens to the rule? That one, that bill, ought not to pass. Awesome. Um, what about LD1756, went before labor and housing? This was an act to protect employee freedom of speech, presented by Senator Daughtry of Cumberland. It prohibits an employer from discharging, disciplining, or otherwise penalizing or threatening to discharge. Excuse me, discharge or discipline otherwise penalize or taking an adverse employment action against an employee because the employee declines to attend or participate in an employee-sponsored meeting or declines to receive or listen to a communication from the employer if the meeting or communication is to communicate the opinion of the employer about religious or political matters. So if this, if, it were, if, you're, if you're working for a place and they have political ideologies and they're pushing those forward, you don't have to listen to them. Uh, that one? It, it was uh, ought not to pass. Well, let me change that. It's a divided report. Sorry, I was, I was looking at the wrong. I was looking at the wrong information on myself, my spreadsheet. It was ought to pass, ought not to pass, as the uh, minority report. And I'm gonna guess that was broken down. Mm -mm. You, that's what you find with a, uh, yeah. We have an act to amend the definition of educational institution under Maine Human Rights Act to include single-sex educational institutions. Uh, majority report ought to pass. Minority ought not to pass. That was LD 1833, presented by Representative Moonen of Portland. That one before judiciary. Another one before the judiciary was... I think I mentioned this one, an LD 1547, an act to temporarily prohibit the state from mandating COVID-19 uh, vaccination immunization. Uh, of course, it, immunization, that's ought not to pass. That's not that's not going anywhere. All of those were ought not to pass. All of those. <sighs> I will say there was one that I do would like to just make mention to. And that was LD239. I don't think I actually talked about this one. I don't think I did. However, it might be worth kind of talking about because LD239 is now chapter law. It was signed into law on May 15th, 2023. So what is this new law that has been so important for us, right? LD239, let it be known that this, that in, in section one of MRSA subsection 231 is enacted to read, state 
butterfly. The pink-edged sulfur Colias interior is the official state butterfly. Way to go, pink-edged sulfur. Way to go. That's that's a big accomplishment. I'm I, the lobbying efforts that were behind the pink-edged sulfur. I'm telling you, were it was unbelievable. It was it was intense. And I can tell you it was intense because that's not how this bill started. <laughs> LD-239 started off as an act to establish the Hessel's hair streak as the main state butterfly. <laughs> Hang on there, Hessel's hair streak. You've, have, you, have you met my friend, the pink-edged sulfur? <laughs> Meanwhile, Hessel's hair streaks over there going, cut to hair. I'm like, what what happened? I was on a bill. What what happened? <sighs> what about an act to exempt Maine from daylight saving time? What about that one? They had a work session, two work sessions, one on April 4th, one on May 19th. Table. Come on. This, this, like like John Oliver's last week tonight, how is this still a thing? How is this still a thing? So, another one that I started off the beginning of this session looking at that I thought was, because I'm a child at heart, LD-135, an act to require manure bags for horse-drawn vehicles. That one was was heard in March. They had a, they had a work session on March 7th, tabled it. They held another work session on April 26th. Voted, ought not to pass. I think I may have mentioned may have mentioned may mentioned this on a previous one, but all right, horses, do your duty. That was intentional. Previously, the one was unintentional about the investment in the taxes. This one was intentional, and I'm still patting myself on the back because, like my kids here all the time, I don't believe there's anything such thing as a bad pun or a bad dad joke. Why? Because all they're supposed to do is elicit a reaction. If it's a groan, it works. If it's a laugh, it works. The worst thing you can do to a dad joke or a pun, or a pun is to just have no reaction whatsoever. But it's almost impossible to have no reaction to a pun. They're always good. So I encourage, nay, demand our faithful 17 listeners, pun away. Oh, also LD-2001, an act to... They, 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 this one was... LD-2001, not a space odyssey. This one was just kind of introduced that day. When on like... It was like... There was no even public hearing even offered for this one. They just said, Oh, yeah, we got a new one. Uh, uh, LD-2001, uh, an act to establish the African-American Studies Advisory Council and require funding for African-American studies. Which, by the way... 
hope they do so. It's an unfunded, unfunded mandate that's going to require some significant curriculum work from a lot of districts to work on. If you want it to do well and consistently, and I think it's worth doing and worth investing in. But that's been carried over to the next session. So they're going to take some time with that one to figure out what that's going to be. Also, since it's going to be a funded mandate, it's going to go to appropriations and we'll we'll see what happens there with budget talks, et cetera. So I'm going to, as we get, as we, I'm going to start, I'm, going to, I'm following these around, obviously. And all the information that you need to find is on our handy dandy, lovely spreadsheet, which at this point is now looking at uh 235 uh row, rows 235 rows that's all of the bills that we've been following um for this particular session i'm going to do i don't think there are any more but i'm going to take a quick look and i updated it regularly and then i'm going to start looking at those bills that are enacted and we'll start having some uh episodes on those specific bills that i was following in education that have been enacted because that's that's the next thing that for us in the education fields we need to know about and prepare. Going back a couple of sessions ago when the whole when the African American Studies bill was passed and on history of genocide, it was given a couple of years. Well, did any districts do anything in those couple of years to prepare for that because come July 1st this year, 2023, it's law. And African American Studies Ethnic studies and history of the genocide must be taught. And I know the DOE is in their standards review processes and that'll all come out in the wash that way. I wonder, as a humble person myself, and I just, I'm, I'm riddled with questions and I ask questions sometimes. And as I said before earlier, I like to think ahead and look innovative, innovatively and think about like, being a change agent in a way. And I think to myself, all right, so we have this new expectations uh, of the African-American studies, history of genocide, right? We have this. This is now part of the Wabanaki side. It's all, it's all under that same uh, umbrella, under that same part of statute. Okay. It never mentions in that bill where in the standards they should go. It never mentions that. Now, it's pretty obvious to think, well, they'd go into social studies. Just put it in a social studies. It's where, it's where it would be, right? It would go into there. Well, hang on a second. We're talking about representation here. We're talking about inclusion here. We're talking about persecution because of religious ideology. We're talking about very challenging things that maybe social studies is one place to talk about them, but why can't we talk about African-American and ethnic studies in science or mathematics? Why can't that, why can't those studies be in those content areas? Why not? They belong. 100% they belong. And if we're talking about inclusion, and we're talking about wanting to make sure that people are feeling represented in the schools. Why wouldn't we do this? You combine that little just question and you look at what DOE has been doing. The last year, DOE completely exploded 
their content specialists. They used to have like math, social studies, science, etc. All specialists in a content-specific area. I've interacted with all of them, I think, at one point or another. For the last number of years, wonderful people. But the DOE exploited that. Exploded it. Boom, blew it up. And instead, they are now the interdisciplinary instruction team. What is interdisciplinary instruction? It's looking at content across multiple, looking at, uh, yeah, looking at stuff across multiple content areas. It's the integration of science and math and social studies and English language arts and visual performing arts and health and PE and world languages and computer science and metals manufacturing and culinary arts and building trades. And you see where I'm going? Because here's the reality. As we all know, nowhere in life are you doing one and only one content. It's always blended. It's always mixed together. It has been forever. But, you know, tradition, it's how we've always done things. So even if it makes sense, like we can all sit in a room and be like, yeah, it make, why would you do it this way? It makes sense. Well, why don't we change it? Here's why it won't change. Unless we have people driving it. Unless we have statute rules driving it which will force the hand. One of the biggest and most innovative educational changes and systemic changes that happened was in the state of Maine. Two of them, actually, I'll say two of them. And I've said this before, Maine never gets the credit for education innovation. Number one, MLTI, without a doubt. MLTI program was one of the most, one of, if not the most innovative, structurally systemic, innovative practices that has been done to date in public education, hands down. This was back in 2000, right? I mean, 2000, 2001-ish. I, I mean, YouTube wasn't a thing yet, right? YouTube didn't come out until like 2005. Netscape was only like five years old at that point. That was in the era of you've got mail. For you Xennials and others like myself, you know you've got mail. Others of you who have heard it, you don't know what it's like on a 56K modem. You don't know what it's like trying to, I'm trying to you want to you download and, and a spreadsheet? Go ahead, press the download button. You, when you do that, you do it at nine o'clock at night. You leave your computer on all night because you wake up in the morning and it's finally downloaded. This was, this was the reality. This was 2000. There were no iPhones. It wasn't a thing. MLTI, incredibly innovative. The other one, the proficiency-based diploma law. And people will come at me and be like, oh, you said a bad thing, a bad word. Hang on a second. What is proficiency-based education all about? Proficiency-based education is about making sure that students actually learn what they're intended to learn, that they're supposed to learn. We're not just giving them a free pass. Well, we don't give them a free pass at all. We don't. So let me ask you a question. You look at, it's graduation season, right? Dads and grads. 
looking up at the dais there. Students are walking across the aisle, getting their diplomas, right? Can you tell the difference between a student who's walking across the aisle, who's got who's got an A minus, a B plus, a C minus, and a D minus? Can you tell the difference? No. Why? Because they're all getting a diploma. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? What is our level of proficiency, our required level of proficiency? And that, my friends, is a D minus. That is a level of proficiency that is allowable to get a diploma. D is for diploma, right? D is for degree, right? Proficiency-based diploma said, no, a D is not good enough. I mean, I'm not going to get into the whole grading practices and things anywhere, but the idea of it was, no, a D is not good enough. You are a valuable enough person that we as a system should make sure that you don't fall through the cracks. You deserve to know this stuff. If we're spending the time teaching it, it's valuable and you need to know it and know how to be able to use it, which was part of the problem because we're now we're questioning, well, what are we teaching? What has the value in that? That proficiency-based diploma law, highly innovative. Highly innovative. Ahead of its time did not get the support it needed in order in the state at the state level and all throughout people thought it was his top down thing and didn't have to be so we're talking innovation here we're talking about african american studies right mhm how do we get to here well you have this interdisciplinary team we've always thought about it in terms of social studies, the standards, social studies, science, and they're all these separate things, and they, and they could never possibly cross. Could never possibly have this. We couldn't possibly have this information in multiple content areas. And I ask why? Why not? What's stopping us? And the answer is us. That's who's stopping us. Us. If I were the DOE. And I'm clearly not. If I were involved with them and I was doing the standards review, I would be looking at every single content area that's up for review and bringing into them how are we in these standards integrating into this war, into this content area, main native studies, African American studies, and ethnic studies, history of genocide. And I would also love to see women and gender studies. How are we intentionally putting those in? Why? They won't happen with consistency or at all if it's just left up to the individuals. I know we're a local control state. We believe heavily in that. But there are times when the state and the leadership has to step in and be like, no, we're going to guide you. You need to do this. Same thing in a school district. That's what a superintendent does. That's what a principal does. Same thing in a classroom. We want our students to learn, but there are times when a teacher needs to step in and guide. Same thing with a parent. Same thing with friends. It's a human thing. I would love to see DOE take that stand 
whether or not they'll have the courage to do so and to stand by it, to not waver, cave in that, I don't know. I don't know. There's good people who work there. And there's good people who are leading it. And these last few years have really reinvigorated my faith in the DOE. But this is a test coming. Are they going to make the... <laughs> are they going to take the road less traveled? Or are they going to take the easy path? And just dump it all into social studies? Hmm. To be seen. Maybe sometime I'll, I'll be able to talk to someone on DOE on this podcast and be like, hey, let's talk about this. What are you doing with this? What's the plan? And we'll see. But, you know, some of them, some, there's, I don't know, but they're, they're, I don't know. We'll see if they can, if they, if anyone wants to do that. If you, if you're on the DOE, what, not even want to talk about this stuff with me, give me a holler. Let me know. I'd love to sit down and have a chat with you about this stuff. This stuff fascinates me. And I think that it is also worth um, our educators knowing about so that they can plan effectively. Districts should be right now in the process of planning out professional learning and whatnot for the next year if they haven't already. A lot of that professional learning, especially in terms of curriculum instruction assessment stuff, should be focused on this, on main Native studies, African-American studies, history genocide, hopefully women and gender studies as well should be focusing on that and that integration, doing audits and things like that. But if it's only done from the social studies side, it won't be thorough and it will still be selective and it will still feel like, hey, math doesn't have to worry about this. Computer science doesn't have to worry about this. PE don't have to worry about this. That's on them. And I say it's important enough for everyone to do. But who am I? I'm just a guy sitting in a basement where water's going through pipes above me, looking at a blue dragon. Yeah, they're blue dragons. It's a D&D thing. I have a D&D mini of a blue dragon because I was going to use it for a campaign that, well, collapsed. I'm just a guy sitting in a basement early June. It's dark out. Kids are asleep. But I'm doing this because I love it. And I love it. So I make time for it. Because there's always time. Because time is unstoppable, inevitable, and universal. And with that, we're going to close today's episode. Um, we'll be, I'll be following along with the enactments. I'll be following along. If you followed along with this all this way for the last 47 minutes or so, well, kudos to you because this was a rambling. I had clearly had some thoughts that I needed to get out. But I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to myself. I think I'm brilliant. I might be the only one, but I think that I really don't think I'm. If you know me at all, you know I don't think that I'm brilliant. You know I just think that I just stumble into whatever I do. And, uh, <sighs> My therapist would tell me to own what I just said and to not allow that to happen, so I'm going to take that back. I do have brilliance in me. 
I refuse to say that I am brilliant because that is locking me into something. I'm going to stop talking now because I could go on forever. Thank you very much for listening, for continuing on this journey with us uh, through the main legislature and education and whatever is going through my head at the time when I want to talk. We appreciate you. Love you all so much. Take care of yourselves and each other. Thanks. Bye.